0: Suddenly, you had 500 little eyeballs.
1: (laughs) No. Anna, I really don't approve of how you're changing. I have 500 eyeballs. Like, what do you
0: mean? How are you going to wear glasses (laughs) like
1: that? Anna, you need 250 pairs of glasses if you have 500
0: eyes. (laughs) Think, imagine the cost. and remember, this
1: podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones.
0: Hello, and welcome to Freudian Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Remember, you're supposed to talk.
1: Dang it! Um, hello, <laughs> hi, hi. This is Freudian Sips. Welcome. We just said that. See, it's hard, isn't it's it? It's hard. I don't know. It's like what you today. do the
0: intro and then I uh, well, I don't know how to keep the momentum going. after I know. After it's the like intro. you just have to kind of pause. I think there maybe should be music there. <laughs> we, we could just do it ourselves. Okay. This is
1: episode seventy two. Seventy two. Yes. We we have a new review. I, I think I will read it because it's. From the same person that sent us the very nice email last time and it's basically what the email said and I remember we did not read the email because that felt like oh I'm not sure if I should read it because it's an email but this is public review and it's
0: so other people can see it anyway so I am
1: gonna read it so it's five stars from Lizard (laughs) and it says Bonnie and Anna equals Liz and Izzy you guys i love y'all's relationship it's so like my and my daughters she's the person who turned me on to your podcast and i'm happy about it for so many reasons first i'm happy to know she listens because i feel like it can help her with her own mental health second i learned so much from you two about self-awareness and navigating the relationships in my universe third bonnie's laugh is wonderfully contagious fourth anna's sense of humor makes me happy and on and on and on and she says that she's on episode 50 and that she's binging our episodes. And then we sent her a sticker. She says, I appreciate you. Keep doing what you do and being who you are. Aw.
0: And she earned a sticker for that review. That's awesome. But you know what's interesting? So if she's on 50, right? So she won't hear 72 for a while. Well, I actually, so when she sent me the email,
1: I sent her back that was like, hey, we gave you a shout out in the last episode. So I don't know if oh, she's going she to wait to get there or yeah. just kind of listen to that snippet. Not sure. Mm-hmm. You can listen to Freudian Sips however you want. You can skip around, baby. You can skip around. You can go in order. You can go old to new. You can go new to old any which way.
0: (laughs) We don't have rules. We don't
1: have rules. No rules just right. (laughs) Freudian Sips.
0: That was a very sweet review, though. That was very sweet. And I'm so glad that they have a good relationship. Yes. Because I know how wonderful it is (laughs) to have a great relationship with your daughter. Yes. I I hope that this podcast can
1: do good for people who have a good relationship with their parents, like they they see themselves in us, but also for people who don't have a good relationship with their parents, that Mm -hmm. you can be their surrogate
0: mom. I would love to do that. That's something that I know I've told young people before. Um, And actually, when I was young and had a really good relationship with my mother, and I had friends who didn't, and I would say, You can (laughs) borrow my mom. Yeah. But also just to kinda of look around for other people who can fit into that role a little bit. Like you said, a surrogate. Yeah. Because like there are good people around you. Finding and mentors is a really important part yeah, of life. Yeah. And and you never know. Sometimes time, you know, changes relationships and gives you space to heal and forgive mm-hmm. and whatever needs to happen. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes That's some it deep doesn't. Stuff. I know, dude.
1: <laughs> That's not what we're talking about today. It has nothing to do with
0: our topic for 72. So what are we talking about? We're talking about this big old hawking topic. Like memory. Yeah, we say...
1: When we say this so much, there's a lot in this topic, and I know we say that all the time, but we mean it all the time, and we especially mean it now, that I think we could probably do a follow-up to this, so actually, if you enjoy this episode that we're about to give to you, present, present we're to, about you, to present, then say something to us, like, over email, or, like, call us out on social, and we can definitely do a follow-up sooner rather than later, because mm-hmm. I think it's there's it's meaty, it's meaty, so today we're going to be kind of focusing in on like how the brain makes memories, how Mm -hmm. memory the process of memory works, and how sometimes that process can go wrong. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a little bit about how sometimes our memory can fail us and how that's a natural part of life and doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong. I mean obviously it's something to keep an eye on, but it doesn't necessarily mean like memory is not as reliable as people think, I guess. Ah.
0: That's a, little a good teaser trailer. A little, little catchphrase there. A little overarching theme. Yes. So where do we begin? We begin with brain stuff. Do you want to begin with brain stuff? Oh, baby. <laughs> Shall I? It's, I feel like it's been a while since I talked about brain I, stuff. I think it has been, too. You always do history stuff, too. I've been doing more feel, history than brain yeah, stuff lately. It's been a little while since we've really gotten into the... What was that awful, the horrible meat? Ma- The meat the, of the meat. The brain meat. The, what was it? Wrinkly, wrinkly, wrinkly sack of meat. meat. Was that Since the brain? Since we've really
1: sunk our teeth into the <laughs> wrinkly sack of meat that is our brain. Don't do that. You'll get a disease. It's not
0: healthy. Unless you're a zombie, prions guess, or something.
1: Prions? Is that what you get if you eat brains? I'm
0: going to look it up. There's an actual, like, yeah. specific disease if you eat brains. Yeah. Any kind of brains no. or just people brains? No,
1: human brains.
0: Because there's some kind of grossness in there? Specifically eating the brain of another human being can cause
1: kuru, a brain disease that's similar to mad cow disease. Kuru occurs because our brains contain prions that transmit the the
0: disease. Prions.
1: Symptoms begin with trembling and end in death.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's never good. Yikes. Whenever the trembling starts that precedes death, you know you did something wrong. You learn something new on <laughs> Freudian sips every time you listen, folks. Prions, prions. Don't cougarou. eat brains. Don't eat brains. You will get pyrons, which will cause prions. Prions. Pyrons.
1: I think that's a Tupperware.
0: Kudarus.
1: Kudaroos.
0: Subarus. Just don't eat brains. <laughs> You don't have no to know brains, why. This But is we to talk about brains. <laughs> this is one of those times you don't have to ask why. You just don't do <laughs> it. You just don't do it, okay? <laughs> okay, tell us some brain information, Anna-Marie. So, specifically brain
1: us. information about memory. Making memories occurs in a three-step process. So, the first step is acquisition, which just means getting the information. Taking in mm-hmm. the stuff to make the memory. Consolidation is when our brain solidifies the memory, mm-hmm. like when it stores that information, and then recall is remembering, recalling the information. Um, so that is the, the basic process of memory. Uh, there's several parts of the brain involved in making memory, and the current kind of working theory, because again, brains are so complicated that we don't really know 100% how they work. No. No. So so the theory currently is that the different brain areas are involved in different types of memory. So let's talk about some of the some of the brain parts. Mom's taking pictures this of a dog. This is a
0: really squeaky chair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> how did I pick this chair to sit on? You don't know, do you want to switch? I have 5 others. Mom's not paying attention to me. She's taking pictures of She said dogs. something about a brain
0: and I was She's like I'm checking out. It's <laughs>
1: like I don't know. I, I don't want to work my brain this <laughs> hard.
0: Okay, I'm listening. Fine, I sisters, am. You I can am listen so to me. So
1: focused on you
0: now. So the first part
1: I think you will enjoy, the hippocampus. I love the
0: hippocampus. Mom loves
1: the hippocampus. This is the little part of your brain
0: that's kind of at the center of your brain, like the very center of your head. One of the descriptions I saw said it looks like a little seahorse. Which I don't really—it kind of wraps kinda, around yeah. other part of the yeah. brain. Yeah.
1: It, they're kind of like if you go straight back from your eyes, it's kind of back in the center of your brain. And we have one hippocampi on each side, and this part is involved in the consolidation of memories, like I just said, from short-term memory to long-term memory, which mom will talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. And it also is involved in spatial memory that like lets us navigate places. By the way, mom's road in front of her house is oh blocked gosh. off right now. And I found my way here through, like, muscle memory of, like, which street to go on. So uh-huh. everyone should be proud of me. Um, Good job. Thank you. Thank That's all I wanted. Every night after work, I come to that roadblock. <laughs> You're <block> like, no! <laughs> I thought they would be done by now. Oh, it's going to be
0: a long time. Oh, God.
1: The hippocampus uh, is actually involved in Alzheimer's, so this is one of the first parts of the brain to be damaged in Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. which leads to kind of the typical disorientation and short-term memory loss that we think of when we think of Alzheimer's. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The next brain part is actually my favorite brain
0: part. Amygdala.
1: The amygdala, (laughs) yes. We love the amygdala. The top two brain parts. (laughs) It's actually, I think this might be why the hippocampus is a seahorse, because the amygdala is right in front of the hippocampus, and they're kind of... Wrapped around each wrapped other. Wrapped around each other. They're laying there in love. Aww. <laughs> uh, the amygdala is part of the limbic system, and the amygdala is involved in decision-making, memory, and emotional responses, especially the creation of memories in traumatic or emotional moments.
0: We've talked about the amygdala. <laughs> Ami- the amygdala. My mouth is not really working today. Sorry, guys. Okay. Um... But we've talked about that several times. in the amygdala. And, yeah. Well, and especially, and yes, response. our fight, flight, or we talked about. Freeze or fawn or. Fawn or there's probably another out. one or whatever other F-words. When did we, talk about, e-
1: when did we <laughs> yeah. talk about EMDR? Which one was that?
0: It was right after I went to the workshop.
1: I feel like it was 51. I feel like it's episode fifty-one, area and I remember 51. area fifty-one. It is area fifty-one because I don't know that that's correct, but we talk about a process called EMDR. It's a type of therapy, and mm-hmm. it's it's specifically for trauma. And we talked a lot about in that episode about how how the brain encodes memories during trauma. So right. I think we might skim by that in this episode a little bit. But if you want to hear more specifically about that, go listen to the, to EMDR, the EMDR episode. Yeah. But yeah, the amygdala is the part of the brain that causes that to happen the amygdala when there's an emotional response happening the amygdala controls how the memory is encoded from that Mm -hmm. and because of that the more emotionally charged a situation or event is the better we remember it but we remember it differently we kind of remember it in snapshots rather than like a whole picture or a a, like seeing the forest through the trees like we only see the trees Mm -hmm. that's
0: a really good way to say it
1: but it's called memory enhancement effect how those things are kind of burned into our memory when trauma happens mm-hmm. to us. The next part is the striatum. I'm just going to read this. The striatum or corpus striatum is a nucleus, a cluster of neurons in the subcortical basal ganglia of the forebrain. <laughs>
0: Everyone got that? I love when Cool. You talk Everyone like got that? that? <laughs> we all good? I got it. Good, good, good. Let's move on. Yikes. Anything about ganglions?
1: Then, right, whenever I hear the word ganglia, I'm like, I'm checked out. I have no <laughs> idea what we're talking
0: about anymore. Dendrites and ganglions. Basal I ganglia. I can only think about that when I'm quite intoxicated. It's <laughs> <laughs> where my brain goes
1: to, the, to my ganglia. Inside the brain, the forebrain means it's up top, right? Up front. This part is associated with things like reward and reinforcement. So it has to do with memory in that we use memory in like stimulus response learning. Like how we learn how different things and how we remember that those are associated with different rewards. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the part of memory that that controls. And then the final part that I will talk about is mammillary bodies. This does not mean boobs. <laughs> that was exactly what I thought. <laughs> I know. I know. I saw it happen in your in your eyes. All of a sudden, went, I
0: Look like is that boobs? You went boobs? <laughs> not boobs. <laughs> <laughs> the junior high kid came out of me. We
1: all. We both went. Turned thirteen. Like when we hear that word, like Boops. boobs. Uh, the mammillary bodies are actually part of the hypothalamus. Um, so they're very, very small parts in the center of the brain. Center of the brain is apparently just where memories live. There's a lot going on. There's in a there. lot going on in there. It's like the center of the earth. It's very, very densely yeah. packed with things happening. But it's part of the limbic system as well. It relays stuff from the amygdala and the hippocampus. So it has to do with like when we recollect memories, recollect memories, remember memories. <laughs> have a. haba forget forget regurgitate <laughs> regurgitate yeah that's it a... but those are kind of the main brain parts that are involved in memory making and memory retrieving retrieving that's a good one that's that a lot of r words that mean kind <laughs> yeah, of the same thing remembering huh. recalling retrieving regurgitating <laughs> cool <laughs> regressing regressing so mom will you tell us about like short-term, long-term memory?
0: Gosh, Anna, I would love to.
1: (laughs) She's serious. I know that sounds like she wasn't, but she is.
0: I'm excited. Okay. I'm going to take a little sidestep or maybe it's a little forward step. I'm not sure before I actually talk about short-term memory, because you'll hear different terms and they all say something memory, this kind of memory, that kind of memory. Yeah. So some of the terms that you hear, you might think, well, where does that fit in all of this? In the memory puzzle. Exactly. So one of the terms that you might hear is sensory memory. And the way I look at that is kind of like that's even a little bit shorter than short-term memory. Like momentary. It's just like, so sensory memory holds information derived, obviously, from our senses, right? Mm -hmm. And just less than one second after an item is perceived. Like, bam, you got it. Damn. That's like that's hard to think about. You know what I mean? It, I mean that is so un. Unco- that is how fast our brains that's work. that and it is unconscious. It's yeah. just you know you see something and you know you know what that is. Yeah, you know, and your brain registers that. The ability to look at an item and remember what it looked like with just a split second of observation. So like the the example I read for this is that like if you look at a list of words, uh
1: huh. And then you like look away from the list, like you can remember those words that you literally just saw.
0: Exactly, like that's where it's, a, it's being held. Instant. But they're right there, and it will go away quickly if you don't do something with them. Right? Yeah. If you're just memorizing it, like right, for a street trick or
1: something. <laughs> I don't know. What do people memorize lists of words for?
0: <laughs> to a impress your trick. friends.
1: <laughs> mind freak. <memorize. laughs> yeah. Mind freak. Memorize
0: these words. So there are three types of sensory memories, okay? okay. So we're going to subdivide it. Iconic memory, which is, again, it goes away very quickly, but it's visual information. Mm-hmm. So you look at something and you remember that. That's the sense that you're using for iconic. I hope I pronounce this right. Echoic. Yeah, I, I think would that's say, it. Is that how you would say it? Yeah. Echoic? Echoic? Echoic.
1: Echoic, echo.
0: echo it yeah it looks like yeah. echo and then I so just like it kind of sounds it that's auditory information that huh? you have just in a brief moment you hear something your senses tell your brain what that is that is my favorite of the three like just the name is my favorite of the three echo- how, so if it's your favorite how do you say it I would
1: say echoic
0: echoic and the last one is haptic memory which is when you touch something when you feel something mm-hmm. physically uh, with your body,
1: I'm a nerd, so, so I think of haptic feedback on your phone. When you like touch something on your phone, you get a little like vibration feedback. That's oh. called haptic feedback.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Mm-hmm. Thank you for making putting that into real life, Anna, and helping our listeners to understand You're something welcome. in real time, real life.
1: <laughs> the uh, The internet's about to pronounce echoic.
0: Okay, echoic, echoic. echoic. You knew that. Echoic. You kind of said that.
1: That was one of the two. It, sounds, it sounds classier. Echoic.
0: Echoic. She says it very dull, though, doesn't Echowic. she? Echoic. Echoic. Yes. She has a unique voice, A computer <laughs> the voice. computer. Okay. The internet. So that's all sensory memory. So short-term memory, sometimes also you might hear the term working memory. Oh, yeah. That's kind of, those two terms are kind of used interchangeably, although they're slightly different. But for our purposes, we're just going to say, sometimes you might hear it called working memory. So your short-term memory allows recall for a period of several seconds to a minute without rehearsing anything. So you can just kind of look at it, and you have about a minute that you can recall it. But its capacity is very limited. There was a study by George A. Miller in 1956 where he was studying short-term memory, and he would do that by having people look at something or try to memorize something very quickly, short-term memory. And he said our short-term memory could hold seven plus or minus two items. So So just five to nine. (laughs) Why don't you just say (laughs) that? Plus or minus two. But this is interesting. They've done research since that was 1956. So since then, they've done several research situations that kind of are the same kind of experiment or however you want to look at that. A study, I guess, is a better word. And the modern estimates of our capacity, our short-term memory are four to five. So they lowered it. So either we're dumber As a society, (laughs) we were in 1956. I would have expected the opposite. I would, too.
1: I would, too. Mm. But maybe he. Where'd you find these schmoes? Maybe you're just not finding the right subjects. (laughs) People answering newspaper ads, as we've figured out before. (laughs) Right. That's weird, because when I was looking at sensory memory stuff, it said that the capacity was about 12 items.
0: How is that higher? Uh, But I see it, too. The capacity of sensory memory was approximately 12 items
1: is it, it we lose very it we lose when quickly. it gets to very, yeah, yeah yeah
0: it doesn't go into our working memory we can't right. bring it back later
1: maybe okay charitable explanation we remember less things because we're better at like refining
0: down what we need well that's a nice way to reframe that we need
1: to like i don't know if i'm if i'm looking at like a list of things and i need to remember like i'm thinking of like a grocery list
0: uh-huh. i can remember about four or five of them very well that are important ones yeah yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that specifically came out of his study, but we've we've learned is very true, is that one way to help us to remember more items is by chunking. They call it chunking. Chunking.
1: That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> sounds gross. But if you think about it <laughs> it chunking. Sounds like you're vomiting. <laughs> uh, That's sorry, throwing I'm, feeling, I'm feeling really throwing. bad. I gotta go chunk.
0: <laughs> But if you think about, that's how we usually memorize like telephone numbers, which nobody yeah. does anymore because we have our cell phones. But in the day when we memorized, or like okay. your social security number. So
1: yeah, so like I am, I'm really dumb because I almost just like said my social security number <laughs>
0: out loud on a podcast. <laughs> Attention, all thieves! But
1: yeah, like when you when you memorize a phone number, you're memorizing. It's it's kind of how you look at it because you're memorizing it's basically 10 digits but
0: you're doing it in chunks right so you're like three da 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 right yeah and you kind of do that with your social security number too yeah except it's that da 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 that right i don't know yeah, and there, and you know, it's amazing that if you think about all the things that are stored in our brain. Oh, yeah. Because I can sit here and think about phone numbers that I used to call when I was a little kid. You they're know, like, they're just like
1: burned in Yeah, there. like my
0: my dad's business <laughs> number, my mom's business number, the parish where I grew up's phone number. Espe-
1: especially as you get older, you get to this point where you're like, why is that taking a valuable yeah. space <laughs> in my brain? Room, dude. I
0: need that capacity for <laughs> other things. But obviously, those phone numbers that I remember from my childhood are not in my short-term memory. They're right. in my long-term memory. So let's jump to long-term memory.
1: Nowadays, we don't need a bigger capacity because we have phones.
0: We don't even I don't know anyone's anything. phone number.
1: <laughs> That's right. I I don't even hardly know, like, the people closest to me. I know. I, I know <laughs> like, yours because it's very close to my right. number. I know my husband's old number, but I don't <laughs> know his help. new
0: number. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm screwed if I
0: actually need to call someone. 911. Yeah, that's that? it. 911. <laughs> chunk a chunk. Can right you there. connect me to my husband? 911. <laughs> I need my husband. Are you looking at 411? No. <laughs> this is an it's emergency. An emergency. <laughs> I love it. Okay, (laughs) so the storage in sensory memory and short-term memory have a a very strict limit in their capacity and their duration. So it's not held on to very long, obviously. But long-term memory can store much larger quantities of information and potentially... For unlimited time, like for your whole lifespan, you can remember things. But we're gonna talk more about that in a minute about how maybe some of those are not exactly accurate. But so, so this things is, like phone numbers and this things is like, that. like
1: okay. So picture your memory as like flour, and you put it into like a sieve, and the first sieve has like bigger holes, so more right. stuff goes through, right? And that's sensory memory. Whoa. Mom's eyes are getting so this big. This is so amazing. And then you get to like the smaller sieve. And you like shake it. It has
0: smaller holes, so Uh like only the. I wish you could all see your hand motions. Small stuff goes through. Yes, you know. And the very bottom is yeah. That's so like a smaller sieve. You are so smart. (laughs) I like to think you (laughs) inherited that from me, but you know, yeah, I did. (laughs) Okay, let me see how how should I go about this. Let's start with this. Sorry, thinking real hard. um, <laughs> i okay. love when you do that, that <laughs> <a fuck> laugh. <laughs> that's exactly what it is <laughs> i am uh, so i won't laugh. i won't say that but that is exactly what it is <laughs> <laughs> okay so long-term memory encodes things see i'm trying not to I don't want to go there. I'm going to skip over that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Short-term memory. It's
1: very hard when we're talking about memory to know when we're going to open a can of worms that we like that we don't, don't have, have time con. to open yeah, today. Yeah.
0: And and if you if you ever do research about memory, you'll see what we mean by this. I mean, we you go into rabbit hole here it, and there. Oh and, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's that it's when you're looking at
1: a Wikipedia article and you go like you come to like a blue phrase and you're like, well, it's I don't like know what of, that is, so
0: I have to open that page too. And you go five. And then you go into it. that. Yeah. So I want to just mention that when Anna was talking about the hippocampus, it is essential for us to consolidate information from short-term to long-term. And that's kind of like that sieve that Anna was talking about. But but you guys, you can all think about the ways that you have Put something into your long-term memory, and, and one of the best ways is through repetition. Like you just keep repeating it, whether you say it out loud and you repeat it, or you do the same action over and over again, or whatever. And mnemonics? Are you going to talk about mnemonics? Tell us about mnemonics. Mnemonic I know that, that was is, big for you. Is
1: like, I, yeah, I love mnemonics. Um, a mnemonic, an example of a mnemonic is "Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally," which is. PEMDAS, which is like the order of operations. So it's like uh, parentheses, exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Holy
0: crap! How about my very eager mother just served us nine, nine. pizzas or pickles yeah. sometimes? I uh, We do, we learned pickles the when planets. I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Those are the names of the planets. Although Pluto's not a planet anymore, so it kind of screws up the whole <laughs> my- party. But we pretend. <laughs> my 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 very eager mother just served us and it, li- n- it
1: and there's n- no closure that's the world today served us uh, something that begins with n uh n- um nikes uh <laughs> what's a food that begins then uh, you know I nectarines think- okay there you go
0: <laughs> very good
1: yeah so so a mnemonic is when you use like it's kind of a weird thing because you're you're memorizing something you're memorizing entirely different anyway you're yeah. making it twice as hard on yourself exactly but it's something that is quote-unquote easier to remember that then corresponds with something you need to remember like the
0: names of planets or, mm-hmm. you know, multiplication divisions or like right. math stuff or like an equation. Right. So. so you know how we divided the sensory memory into lower categories. Let's do that with long-term too. We have explicit memories and we have implicit memories. Okay. So explicit memories are those things that they're very available in our consciousness. They're declarative memories, you know, like... What am I trying to say? We know they're there. We put them there on purpose, right? Like, I'm going to remember this. Right. And also, explicit memory can be further divided... Into episodic memory, which is like specific events, so stuff, you're at a birthday party, happened, right, yeah. and a wedding, and and then semantic memory, which is knowledge about the world.
1: Oh, like deta- like
0: trivia, right? Details, right. like your husband is really good at. <laughs> yes, my husband's re- super. Really, my really, husband's really good like good, like a memory. superhero at trivia. He is. Um, and so that's explicit memories and implicit memories. They're mostly unconscious. They're like kind of like the muscle memory that we yeah. were talking about yeah. before. This includes what we call procedural memory, which involves your body movement, which is I think that's probably a synonym for muscle memory.
1: Yeah. That's probably where um, muscle memory, like, will fit into as a category. So, like, how
0: to drive a car. I mean, think about when you get in your car. If you've been a driver yeah, how, for a how while. to drive a car is right, muscle memory. Right. And I was thinking that the other day because I was actually <laughs> thinking about when you drive with a clutch and you haven't for many years. Oh. You would think it would kind of, you wouldn't, you would forget how to do it. because Like it's riding a bike, baby. And that's, that's exactly what I wrote in my paper. <laughs> riding, we, we have that saying, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, you, oh, you you'll remember it's just like riding a bike. Right. Well, it's, that's literally, that's procedural. That's procedural memory. memory. yeah. And we all have that. We don't think about it. When you get on that bike again, you don't have to think, okay, I'm going to make my... <laughs> okay, yeah. left leg go. Right leg go. Left leg go. Right leg go. I can vouch for that. Just recently, I hadn't ridden my motorcycle for a long time. Oh, yeah. And before I rode it, for a moment, I was kind of thinking to myself, how does that shift go again? <laughs> do you shift Am up I or down? Am to remember how to do this? But you know, as soon as I got on it, my body just did it. Yeah. You know, I knew where the gears were and I knew how to do the clutch. And it wasn't like I thought about it once I got right. on it. Because actually, so, if you think about it, you kind of you psych th- yourself yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, my God, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wanted to go in one more direction about long term, and then I'll be done. Okay. So, just a few things to specifically mention about long term memory. That idea that long term memories are often outside of our conscious mind. So we're not sitting there all the time thinking about, you know, what I did when I was four years old at preschool. You know, but if, yeah, they're just sort of like floating there, and if you need to grab right, it, and you have to do something to call it forward into your working. <laughs> you have memory. to summon it. <laughs> summon into my come working to me, memory. memory. Yes. And so, oh, so su- it like goes back into
1: your working memory is that like yeah. when we recall it kind of goes back it pulls into, it into the working memory it's like
0: it's like the the batter's box of what exactly. is that called yeah exactly <laughs> and and a lot of things can make that happen and we and that's like a whole nother topic too you know you can you can be triggered so to speak your long-term memories can come back because you smell something or you just you know you hear somebody's voice or you hear a song there's so many triggers for our long-term memories yeah. that are in our subconscious Strongest one? Olfactory. Yes. What we
1: smell connects with our memory stronger than any scent.
0: And that's because of, is it the, it's one of those things that we talked about. What would it be? It has something to do with the the olfactory glands being so connected to either, maybe it's hippocampus. It might be the hippocampus. But I remember us talking about that before.
1: I think Um, it's probably the hippocampus because it's involved in short-term to long like yeah. consolidating yeah. so probably like it has to do with how we consolidate right. it but it is because that sense is more directly connected to a brain
0: part that we don't know which one right, it is right. sipsters you can think about that for yourself mm-hmm. think about when you smell bread baking and all of a sudden you're back in grandma's kitchen or you know you have a, i know that for me sometimes the smell of a cologne will mm-hmm. remind me of mine's fresh cut grass some man that like <laughs> some <laughs> mystery that did me wrong <laughs> Oh, that's
1: a bad cologne. <laughs> Does
0: grass give you a specific memory? Not not specific, specific. It's, it's like childhood. Yeah, like, just like a feeling. Kind yeah, of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, the other two things I want to say about long-term memory is that it kind of goes back to what Anna was saying was the idea that many of our memories are so strong, the long-term ones, because they're very tied to emotion. Yeah, and so there's a very fine line between when stress and a great deal of emotion makes memories be disrupted and good emotion or bad emotion, right? Exactly. The and amygdala does not care which, right? <laughs> just, it just goes emotion. I feel the emotion. So not all of our long-term memories come to mind as easily. Some of them are really buried, and they mm-hmm. have to be called up almost purposefully, you know. And and that's when you think about like when you go to counseling and you're trying to uncover something from a long time ago, and you have to really work at it to get it that's why i
1: warn my clients when we start to do like trauma work i'm like hey once we open this door a lot of memories are gonna come through right, right. like once you start that process you gotta be ready exactly. <laughs> so i always make sure we're really ready before we start that process because and i've had several clients like the week after we like start the intense trauma work they'll come back the next week and be like you were right oh my god oh no mm-hmm oh all these memories are coming back and i'm like okay it's okay we're gonna process them but
0: yeah once you open that door man that's really smart to warn clients about that so this last point kind of leads us then in another direction that i think that we want to go into Mm -hmm. and that is that when we have a memory that we access frequently it becomes very strong However, it can also kind of become warped a little bit. Not be super right. Right, right. So like if you like to think about your wedding day and you remember it over and over again, it's going to feel very close and real to you and you can like remember how things smelled and you remember how the cake tasted. You remember listening to that first song you danced with your husband or your wife. But by the same token, when you relive those memories over and over again, sometimes you start to- Or your spouse, non-binary folks, what up? Absolutely. That's all. I'm going to stop there. Are you going to talk about how our memories get warped?
1: Yeah, we're going to kind of move into, like, the fault in our memories. Right, okay. (laughs) So as a general category, I'll call these things that I'm about to talk about memory errors, which just means when our memory messes up, which mm-hmm. happens quite often. Like, let's say you remember something from your childhood. You remember a really specific and clear memory, and you share this with your family. Like, maybe you guys are sitting around, you're just nostalgia talking, and they correct you. They're like, no, that's not when that happened, or no, like, that person wasn't there, or something. And you're like... What? No, I know they were there. Mm-hmm. I I know that this is when this happened. I know y- it's so built in your memory. So this could be cause for concern. I mean, I, I think you say that a lot, a lot. Like, I'm worried about my
0: memory. I do. Yeah.
1: Whereas me, I just, I know I have a crap memory. So when I can't remember something, I'm just like, well, it's just me. It's just me, man. Oh, well. <laughs> But, okay, so it could be a reason to worry. It could be, like, a neurological problem. Mm -hmm. More likely, it's just memory error. More likely, it's just really common things that happen to our memories, either when we store them or when we recall them. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a ton of different types of memory error. Like, unfortunately, memory is kind of notoriously inconsistent. Like, our brains are amazing, yes, and our memories can be reliable, but they can also be unreliable and we tend to trust our memories a lot right so this is just kind of an effort to get you guys to be aware that memory error can happen right so like i said there's a lot of different types i'm kind of only gonna hit the more straightforward ones and like why i'm talking about them but there's like a dozen and they have names like encoding specificity so like i'll try to chill okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna try to do this in a chill way please do that being said, the first one I'm going to talk about is called transience. This is forgetting kind That's of... That's a
0: cool word, though. As
1: it is, right? Yeah. As time goes on, our memories fade. German philosopher Hermann Ebbinghaus measured his own pattern of forgetting over time using lists of words and syllables, and he found that there was a rapid drop-off in retention, so that kind of goes with uh, sensory working, right. and then over time there was a more gradual drop-off. Mm-hmm. So it was like a really quick, I, I forgot a lot, and then it kind of went to, as time went on, I forgot more and more of them. Mm-hmm. So that is mm-hmm. transience. That's just when, I mean, if your wedding day was last year, you're going to remember it very differently than if it was 20 years ago. Right. The next one is a big one. The next one's false memories. Mm-hmm. False memories, or another great word, a uh, confabulation. <laughs>
0: Sorry. I don't know why that word. No, no, totally justified. It sounds like it's a fabulous word. Did you ever ever
1: read that uh, Edgar Allan Poe poem? That's like. It's t- it has a really good meter to it and it goes the tintinabulation of the bells the bells the tintinabulation of the bells tintinabulation is a totally fake word he made it up because it fit in the meter of the poem really yeah but it kind of is like that word yeah it's confab. that's what I think of yeah. when I hear the word confabulation so this means that funny word means recalling inaccurate details of an event or even like recollection of an entire event that never happened studies have been able to successfully implant Memories that never happened in that people. Is scary.
0: That is. Scary. It is really scary, yeah. and
1: it can be a huge problem, especially in things like trauma counseling, and especially 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 in things like hypnosis this is why I was a little bit tinfoil hatty with the hypnosis stuff and this is why I'm very skeptical whenever I hear like stories of people who brought back memories through Mm -hmm. hypnosis or something Mm because it's so easy to implant that even without hypnosis hypnosis just sort of makes it easier because you're like more directly communing with the brain right or something conscious yeah right. it kind of removes some of those uh safeguards that we mm-hmm. have against it but it can also happen in just like like if i'm working with a trauma person I have to be really careful that I don't do leading questions or that I don't suggest things I have to be very careful that my questions are open and that my I leave it to the client to bring up those memories that's really hard it is really hard because we want to help them and we want Mm -hmm. to get to the truth we just don't we want to make sure that it's the actual truth right and implanted memories can be extremely harmful not only for the person that is having them i mean if if they come up with a traumatic memory that never happened they have to go through this trauma of something that never happened right Right. but also for the person that may be falsely accused of something absolutely there's been a lot of cases especially of hypnosis but sometimes not and like in trials and stuff where uh child abuse was Mm -hmm. brought about Mm -hmm. like allegations of child abuse were brought up but They were false memories. Right. And so the family or the the person had to go through a huge ordeal. Everyone involved had to go through a huge ordeal of this thing that didn't actually happen.
0: That's horrible.
1: That being said, like, believe people when they say they were harmed.
0: Yes. Work from there. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful. That reminds me too, though, Anna, of we've talked a couple times about gaslighting. Yeah. And about, you know, how sometimes uh, in emotional abuse a person will gaslight another person into believing either something happened that didn't happen or something didn't happen that did happen. Yeah, that's like that's, intentionally planting a false Yeah, that's memory. like doing it on purpose to somebody. Right. But I mean there are people who go through that kind of abuse that then they really cannot separate. No, and what's I mean when your memory and
1: that kind of goes back to like we think our memory is faultless mm-hmm. and then when we start to pay attention to the faults in it, we we, we feel crazy. Right. Like, if, if someone calls attention to, like, that is a thing that did not happen that you're telling me happened, you're like, oh, God, I'm insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a big, scary thing. Yeah. But what you're saying is that it's it's kind of neurotypical to have some false memories. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. And, I mean, like, false memories is kind of the very extreme end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. The other memory errors I talk about, I'm going to talk about, are more common. Mm-hmm. False memories, like, especially kind of creating a false memory whole cloth is it usually is through something like either intentional through gaslighting or unintentional through someone who is meaning to help and actually right,
0: harms. Right. I don't know if this fits here or if you're going to talk about it in another place, but going back to one of the things that I was looking at about long-term memory is that idea that sometimes our memory, when we're remembering a situation, we can't really remember all the details. Yeah. So then our brain kind of like, m- fills makes, it up, yeah, makes up the story that's missing.
1: Yeah, because we want to have a whole picture and our brain just kind of uses context clues to like fill something in. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Uh, So the next one is misinformation effect. This is kind of related to the above. It's when memories change due to how information is presented. So like I mentioned leading questions or when someone is suggesting something and we sort of change the memory to fit that. Um, to fit the context a little. So, for example, in one experiment, uh, participants watched a video of a car crash where then they were asked questions about it afterwards, When asked how fast the cars were driving when they smashed into each other, the estimate was higher, like the speed estimate that the people gave was higher than when they were asked how fast the cars were driving when they hit, bumped, or collided into each Uh, other. so
0: words are affecting the way that they perceive. Yeah,
1: our language is totally loaded every language is loaded so like there's value laden words that Mm -hmm. we kind of connect with certain things on a similar note participants were more likely to report there being shattered glass present in the scene of the accident when the word smashed was used instead of other verbs this study was done by a woman named Elizabeth Loftus, and I'm not going to talk about her a lot, but I did want to give her a quick shout out because she does a lot of work in memory. So if you are interested in memory more than what we're talking about, why would you want to know more than what we could possibly <laughs> tell you? I don't know. But <laughs>
0: you can... All you obviously, need to know in this hour. we're going
1: to cover 100% of it, but you can look up Elizabeth Loftus. She has some, some other pretty cool stuff about like misinformation and false memories and stuff like that. The next one is intrusion errors. And this is when information that's kind of related to the theme of an event slips into a certain memory, but isn't actually part of that memory, like part mm-hmm. of the original memory. So then that information becomes
0: associated. Is that kind of like when you watch a movie and and like your brain puts something from a movie into your own? Because it's kind of yeah. similar. Yeah. It's like a similar
1: event. Or when you watch... um two very similar movies and you kind of like mistake them them. yeah yeah so yeah it's just kind of when it it makes it hard to tell like which parts of the memory are actual in the actual original memory right and i would kind of relate that to that filling in the gaps yeah the filling in the gaps and the example that i gave of like when you're talking to your family about something yeah Yeah. that that maybe an original memory got just kind of polluted with some Mm -hmm. unrelated details And obviously, uh, there's more types. There's, like, suggestibility. There's bias, which we've kind of talked about before. You can look into some of these more if you want. But they have things to do with, like, details and times of memories and how we Mm -hmm. conflate those things. So let's talk for just a little bit about why this happens. Like, the factors that make our memories kind of inconsistent sometimes. Mm -hmm. The first is called spreading activation, Sounds, sounds maybe dirty. a little dirty right yes <laughs> what if we <laughs> think about spreading activated and,
0: uh, <laughs> we mammillary we glands activation. activation out of the gutter <laughs> i know i know um <laughs> no that's just who we are <laughs> i learned it from watching you, <laughs> so, yeah, you yeah, yeah 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 i own that sorry <laughs>
1: Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. So spreading activation is a theory on how memory works, basically. Uh, It means the firing of our connected nodes in our brain during, like, memories that are associated with each other. So what this basically means is that memories are organized in kind of a web. Or, or like, if we're talking about how they kind of float around, it's like kind Mm -hmm. of a constellation thing. Mm -hmm. And in certain constellations, there's themes like we group them together kind of schema like right and so where things are connected to related like ideas this relates to how memory error happens because when these nodes are more connected when like the theme has more memories in it it's easier to have an error Mm-hmm. it's easier to misremember something. So, like, let's say you and your family, when you were a kid, went to the zoo a lot. Like, you went to the zoo, like, every week. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to remember what happened one, one trip week. from the exactly. other. Exactly. Right, right, Yeah, because those are all clustered together. Right. And it's hard to pick out a specific one without conflating it with the other ones. Right.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, most of this stuff does. yeah. yeah. Like, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that my brain works like that. The next one's encoding failure. So sometimes memory loss or memory error happens not because we're remembering it wrong, because but because we like got it stored in our head wrong. Right. It didn't get and often that's because of stress. Yes. Often that happens
0: because of the situation that we're trying to encode a memory right. in. And it could and it could be a significant trauma, a stress of the moment, or it could just be that you're under a lot of stress, generally, generally speaking, yeah. and, and your brain just is not able to focus on encoding things properly. Right. Because y- you might go through that sometimes when you're in a really busy time in your life and you're trying to multitask and do a lot of things and it's like you can't remember, I can't even remember where I put my keys. Right. You know? Because you're you're trying so hard. You're like your brain is totally focused on other stuff that's more
1: important and that stuff just kind of goes by the wayside exactly this also happens sometimes with details that we don't super find important at the time uh the example i saw for this a few times while i was doing research is what a penny looks like like you've seen a penny so many times Mm -hmm. but if you had to draw the face of a penny you probably couldn't like if you just just had a blank piece of paper yeah exactly it's kind of weird to think about right i mean i know lincoln's on there yeah We don't like turn on sideways, but it's because what we encode is only the information that we need. So, like Mm. we encode how to distinguish it from other coins. We encode (laughs) that it's (laughs) we encode that it's like a different size than a quarter. We encode that it's a different color than the other coins, Uh but we don't encode
0: the details because it's not. I really don't know what's on the back of coins. I remember doing that in school. There's like what? Oh, right like the the buildings and the the, the one of them
1: what the heck one of them's the lincoln memorial right is that on the back of a penny there's
0: some buildings i don't know some buildings (laughs) some buildings i don't need i don't need need it just give me my change
1: (laughs) actually keep the pennies i don't want pennies (laughs) (laughs) i just want quarters or nothing that's right so that is, th- those are kind of the main encoding failures. And then the last one is called interference. And this is when information is stored in our memory, but we can't access it for some reason. Like there's something getting in the way of us <laughs> accessing it correctly. Hmm. Uh, the two main types of interference are proactive and retroactive. Proactive is when old information interferes with our ability to recall new information. And this is like when we're writing a check in January, and we put
0: last year's. Oh yeah, that's. I'm cool. still putting 2019. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm in 20. I'm in 20 <laughs> I'm just fifteen, 15 dude. I just. I I'm five years back. Uh, and then retroactive is the opposite. When new information interferes with old information. So let's say you get a new phone number, and then sometime later someone asks you for your old number,
0: and you can't remember. You it can't you can because yeah, your, your brain name. overwrote it with the new. So information. So you remembering your husband's old number is proactive. Proactive. Yes. It kind of seems backwards to me, but okay. Yeah. That seems like that would be retro because it's the past. Yeah. I hope I got that right. I'm sure you (laughs) do. You always (laughs) get things right. Probably. I'm wondering if we can end the episode by talking about how we can remember things more accurately. Some tips about... We can
1: do that. Can we talk... We've talked a little bit about stress. We've actually talked a lot about stress. Can we talk about some other factors that affect memory? Yes, please. Because the one I want to mention is genetics. Because obviously, like most brain things... Genetics play a factor here. Right. Genetics play a factor in how how good your memory is, and especially if there's a memory-related disease that runs in your family that's sometimes hereditary. Uh, From what I could find, researchers have found over 100 genes that are important for memory. Wow. Yeah. Things like proteins and enzymes also play a part here. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to go into it too much. I just want to mention how important it is. And I mentioned that especially, like I said, in things like Alzheimer's, we know there's a There's a genetic link there. I
0: also read a study about how prenatal stress can hinder the ability of the baby eventually to learn and memorize things. Yeah. It affects the hippocampus It affects your brain development. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And uh, we focus a lot on like drug use and alcohol use Mm -hmm. uh, on the development of fetuses. But things just like general stress can be just as harmful. Exactly. Also important is sleep as is important in most things. So remember when I talked about the three-step process of making memories? Mm -hmm. Sleep helps the second step, which is memory consolidation. So when we sleep, especially during slow-wave sleep, which if you want to hear more about that, listen to episode, like, seven... Because we talk about dreams, but we talk about sleep yes, a we little do. bit. Uh, the neural connections in the brain get stronger when we sleep. That's one of the, the things that sleep helps us do. And it helps us stabilize and retain memories. It, it kind of moves things from short-term to long-term. Hmm. Th- that's because when we sleep, the hippocampus is replaying the memories of the day. And then the neocortex reviews those memories and like processes them and keeps the important stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this means that a lack of sleep negatively affects your memory oh
0: my gosh it's almost like sleep is important (laughs) for everything for everything
1: everything it makes it harder for our brains to encode those memories and learn things and, and solidify information. And I even found some studies that say that sleep deprivation makes it easier for false memories to form due to how sleep helps memories transfer from the short to long term memory. Mm-hmm. So sleep deprivation. It's,
0: and think about exactly. just in a very practical sense, how when you're really sleep deprived, when you haven't been getting good sleep for a long time, how you just can't focus mm-hmm. and you just feel and like. And time blends together. It's just, yeah. You feel confused and yeah. you feel your brain needs sleep man gotta yep. give your brain sleep yep that's a good yep. sound
1: yeah
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> okay let's talk about improving your memory
0: okay let's do that so one of the things that you can do to try to help yourself to remember things if you're like me and sometimes you think oh my gosh i can't remember anything <laughs> or you it could be like me and just be like case or off or off not going to work on this. It sounds old fashioned and and kind of cliche, but write it down. Mm-hmm. Not only because then you have the actual list and you don't have physically, to Physically. Yeah. It helps it get but, in your brain better physically. Right. But if you actually, and, and and I remember saying that when I was a teacher to kids and they'd look at me like, I'm not gonna do that. You know, we used to have to write those darn spelling words five <laughs> times each. Or the definition. It was actually a purpose in writing them. Yes. Because when you actually physically with your hand write the word or write the idea, as Anna just said, it goes into your brain in a different way and it's stored more efficiently so writing something down even if you then don't have the list later Mm -hmm. I've done that before where I make a list and then leave it at home and I'm like oh I'm like oh I remember though but at least I wrote it yeah Yeah. and so then it kind of went into my brain better that's
1: why I I'm really big on like writing down my to-do list for like days and weeks and stuff and I've found that doing a physical planner is much more effective for me than like a to-do list on my phone I'm so glad to hear you say that
0: yeah i have like a a, you're uh, like maturing in wonderful ways thank you like i don't know mom's really
1: (laughs) mom's really proud of me that i've been making my bed every day i'm almost 30 years old and she's like oh my god my baby's finally becoming a (laughs) grown-up
0: she's making lists with her hands Uh, on paper and she's making her bed oh my god i'm so proud uh, okay another blossoming into a fine young adult
1: (laughs) another 30 year old young adult
0: Another way that you can remember something is this this makes sense, and we've already talked about it, is to repeat it and actually say it out loud. Repetition. Because while writing it is one way to get it into your brain, and we've talked about this before, how everybody learns differently. Mm -hmm. Our brains are made differently. So for some of us, it's very powerful. Our auditory learning is very powerful. And I'm one of those people that when I read something, if I read it silently, I can get it, but not as well as if I read it out loud. That's why your lips move when you read stuff. That's exactly. (laughs) Actually, I'm acting. (laughs) saying it out loud very quietly (laughs) (laughs) and so like if you have to remember a phone number you have to remember something say it out loud to yourself several times repeat it over and over and over again Mm -hmm. which we kind of do I don't know if we learned that when we're little bitty kids, but I think everybody does that, right? And then I think we get kind of like socialized away from like, it. Like, oh, yeah, you're so weird that you Yeah, that. like, oh, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I look so crazy. Like, no, it's
1: good for your brain. Yeah. I have, a, if I had a nickel for every time, which I don't know what the front of a nickel looks like, but if I had one. <laughs> I think for, Washington's uh, that would <laughs> Yes, I think you're right. But, but I don't know what the hell is on the but, back. <laughs> <laughs> a building. Building. Probably. Uh Eagle? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but if I had a nickel for every time someone was like, when, if, if I, am I crazy if I talk to myself? And I had to
0: be like, no, that's very it's mentally good healthy. for your brain. Yeah, yeah. that's I do that a lot with my clients too. Um, another thing that you can do when you try to remember something, and I'm sure you've heard this before, that you attach a special meaning to it. And this works really well with names, especially if you're yeah. like me and it's hard to remember names. Although I have to admit this is not, even when I do this, I can't remember names. <laughs> Uh, but like, you know, either attach it to another person that you know, like they have the same name as another person. Right. Or if you attach it to a rhyme or... Or a physical feature about the person. Uh, yeah.
1: Like, oh, yes, George, he has glasses. They both right. begin with G. Ooh. Okay. So you're
0: attaching meaning to a word or to, to right. a, a series of words. Because well,
1: that strengthens those node connections. Nodes.
0: <laughs> Nodes are kind of like ganglions. <laughs> All those Nodes. sexy, sexy brain. All words. those sexy words, <laughs> ganglion. God, <laughs> ganglion is the least sexy word in the world. And the last thing that I have on my little list is what we already talked about. Except it's it's a nicer word. We talked about it before when we called it chunking. In this in this particular, <laughs>
1: I have the reaction that that you have
0: to node. <laughs> In this particular list, it calls it grouping. Oh, sure, that's a, a that's a, a little, much better
1: word. A little that more socially word is acceptable, much more palatable. Thank <laughs> you.
0: So, if you're trying to remember a shopping list, you might remember everything that's in the produce aisle as one chunk. That's what I do. Or I organize group. my uh, shopping list by like what's in this aisle, what's the, in that aisle, the path that I go through the store. Right. And I think the last thing I would want to
1: say about memory is wait, um, I have a good way to improve your memory too. Okay. It's just working on your neuroplasticity. So your neuroplasticity is how easily your brain can, like, grow and, and change and rearrange itself. And you can enhance your neuroplasticity by, like, playing games that challenge your brain. So if Humanosity. you have some... Yeah, if you have some time on your phone, instead of doing, like, candy crash like I do. But
0: that's not super bad. You have to do strategy stuff. You have to kind stuff. of, yeah, you're thinking...
1: Yeah, but but things like crosswords or Sudoku or or even there's plenty of games and apps that are focused specifically on enhancing your neuroplasticity. What which one did you just say? Luminosity is that what Luminosity, it's called? Luminosity,
0: yeah. That's that's kind of the most well well known yeah I think. yeah we don't get any financial support from luminosity no so we're, not, a we're, free we're not being sponsored by luminosity <laughs> and i think
1: it does cost something it does to there's to do there's like in most ones that i've seen there's like at least a free trial but then you yeah. do have and to then pay. you get caught in it because that's kind of <sighs> you're like fine i'll pay five dollars a and month went, uh, but there's there's also like a lot of apps that are focused on like memory specifically like even playing like a memory match game can be mm-hmm. really good for your
0: memory mm-hmm. so doing proactive stuff like that can help I want to know what's really weird. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> I, I was just going to say it differently. The way I was going to say it was exercise your brain. Yeah. Because just like.
1: And exercise your body. Things yeah. like general nutrition are also really good for right. your brain. Being healthy. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Eating well. Exercising. And exer- getting
0: enough sleep. Exercising <laughs> releases those endorphins that help your brain to yeah. really kick in Helps high Helps the gear. wheels move right. faster. It's all balance. We're back to the balance thing. Back to the balance. We, we gotta hit go that back to it. every time. Self awareness and balance. <laughs> bada boom, bada boom.
1: <laughs> there it is, baby. <laughs> totally organically, we have
0: arrived at our theme. <laughs> That's pretty good. Came all the way around. I feel good about that. I do too. I feel good about this. I feel episode. balanced. I feel self aware. My shockers are aligned. <laughs> I've got my my, little my fingers pores are clear. <laughs> My sinuses... My sinuses so clear. are clear. <laughs> I am thriving. My crops are thriving. <laughs> you're so cute. <laughs> I'm glad you're my daughter, Anna. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you're my mommy, mommy. Oh. <laughs> do you want to thank the people or do you want to do the spiel at the end?
0: I'm going to give you the choice. I'll thank them. Okay. <laughs> we want to thank you, Sipsters, for joining us today. And Because one of the reasons I want to be the one to thank you is... By listening to our episodes of Freudian Sips, you are giving us the opportunity to do the episodes, because if you weren't listening, we would probably eventually not be doing it, right? Probably. And so what you are doing for me, Sipsters, is you are giving me wonderful memories (laughs) of working with my daughter on a podcast. So even though I have lots of wonderful memories from life before now... I am building these really cool memories. And I was thinking too, Anna Marie, that it will be fun someday for like your kids, if <laughs> you have to kids, these. to listen to this yeah. um, together. And even maybe when I'm gone <laughs> someday to play the old grandma <laughs> My tapes. grandkids,
1: I'll have these playing on like a phonograph record. <laughs> You'll have to crank it or whatever. <laughs> and it's just you and me
0: cackling <laughs> as I'm cranking the phonograph. So the point is, Sipsters, thank you so much for joining us. We love to have you with us, and we hope you go out and make some wonderful memories today.
1: Yes, and we hope that you learned a lot today. (laughs) We hope that we were educational. And yet fun. And yet fun. (laughs) The two things we aspire to be. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us in this wild and wonderful thing that we do. Uh, You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like I said, if you did like this episode, uh, shout us out. Like, tag us on social media and say, hey, I really liked that memory episode. You guys should do a follow-up. So Mm -hmm. we always say we'll do a follow-up, but kind of my general rule is like, if I don't think people like the episode, I'm not going to push real hard for a follow-up unless we really liked it. That's true. Because it's our podcast. But you can find us (laughs) We trump everything. It's ours. It's our it's our yeah. Uh we don't use that word in here. Oh sorry. We could bleep
0: that out. (laughs) Yeah, just bleep
1: (laughs) Oh my god, that'd be amazing. be so funny uh yeah you can find us on social media on uh at freudian sips pod on everything as well as our site freudiansipspod.com if you want to get a hold of us directly you can email us at freudiansipspod at gmail.com and we're also on patreon if you want to support the show we're Freudian Sips Pod on there and please remember to leave us a nice rating and review please please if you do not only does it make us happy we will read it on the show and mm-hmm. we will send you a sticker if you give us your address so It's a win, 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 win.
0: Wins all over the place. Wins all around.
1: Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this.